0: Hello, everyone, and welcome in to a special episode of the Irish NFL show. Today, I am delighted to be joined by somebody who not only graces the pages of the Irish Times, the sports writer, not only somebody who has hosted the a Sporting Chance documentary on RT, but I think most importantly, from my perspective, a fellow Corconian, Joad O'Rourke and Joad, welcome to the Irish NFL show.
1: Thanks for having me. Really, I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, uh, um, uh, you know, a little uh, take off the 2023 bucket list. Now I can I can confirm safely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's it's a good time of the year, I think, to be discussing uh, the the NFL and for your particular NFL team as well. A good um, just before the the final weekend of season. We'll get into to that, but. I suppose you know um, everyone has their NFL origin story, Joanne, and I'm I'm interested in in yours. Like, how did you come to to be a fan of um the the NFL, and what was it that that kind of uh, initially um made you made you a a fan?
1: Yeah, it's a bizarre one to say the least. So I'm the youngest of five children, um, and my oldest brother Dennis, uh, he's a huge Forty ers fan. And has been since pre Joe Montana um, and all that crack So he was always into it, always probably illegally streaming it from an Irish point of view um, and on board. I couldn't really understand what he was doing. I was like, well, what's he at? Like, why is he sitting watching a thing for three hours straight? And uh, he moved to Sweden actually when I was 14 and he still kept up the NFL. But he came home one Christmas, I think it was 2015, uh, when he came home and uh, he was watching the highlights on Sky and uh, I still was like, what's he doing like? And he's like, who watching you to football? And I, was like, mm. I was like, is that the thing where Giselle's husband play or Jessica Simpson's husband used to play and all that kind of crack? He was like, yeah. He was like, that's the one. Um, so I don't know. I'm very competitive anyway by nature. And uh, as soon as I saw he had a team, I decided I must definitely have a team. And uh, he he told me at the start, he said, you can't have an NFC team because he's obviously 49ers. He's like, I don't want to play you. Uh, and lost during the season. So I had to go to the AFC. And then he told me, particularly, choose an Eastern team because they probably have the earlier times in terms of kickoff. Uh, so I said, okay. So I was very restricted in where I could possibly go. And uh, my dad works in steel, funnily enough. And the game that was on was Pittsburgh Steelers game. And I was like, right, it's a side. I'm going to support the Steelers. And then obviously seeing all the interconnections with Ireland, uh, with Dan Rooney and the Rooney family and everything that kind of. Goes with them and the history involved of the team you know I just got swept up I think in a whirlwind and that was 2015 so that was when kind of Big Ben was coming towards you know he was still there but he was you know you could tell he was kind of thinking about it and he'd throw the odd tantrum every now and then um you know I think he was the first jersey that I actually bought um after weirdly enough Luke uh Luke Keekly of the Carolina Panthers I bought his jersey not long after but uh, I thought I was going to switch there for a while, but I was like, no, no!" the seniors are fine. Um, so, yeah, that's really how it all started. Um, Like, when I followed Pittsburgh, it was Le'Veon Bell, and mean the, the four Bs, I think. It was Chris Boswell, Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown, which I'm glad I survived the era more than anything. Like. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that uh quite quite the the lineup there. But um that the Steelers have had, you know, some some decent years even during your time following them. Um what comes to mind for me is that kind of infamous play against the, the Patriots and uh was it was it was he down or was it uh, before the end zone and all that sort of stuff. But uh, in terms of this year, because the we, we know about Magical Mike Tomlin. And obviously never had a losing season in fifteen years. Um, just an incredible motivator and and his ability to to get um players to, to play for him. But obviously this was a year post Big Ben. Um they're not not exactly, you know, outside of perhaps TJ Watt, not a star-studded lineup. Um What were your expectations going into the season, Joanne? And how do you feel things have gone?
1: Yeah, like I knew it was going to be a transition season, like irrespective, you know. um, I think my hope, along with other Steelers fans, was that they'd literally just let whoever was at quarterback sling the ball, Um, you know. And, you know, obviously that's my big bugbear the season. I'm just literally screaming at TV, going, let him sling it, Matt. Let him sling the goddamn ball, no matter which one it is, whether it's Mitchell Trubisky or or Kenny Pickett. and I think you know I was involved in the in the banter of the of of the draft you know when Kenny Figure was being signed and he he was being mocked to see small hens and obviously I would you know laugh but me and my brothers were at home one day and we got out the measuring tape to measure a couple of hens along the way to see what size a normal hen would be um one of the uh one of the club lads um because I'm with Kilardie Legion back in Kilardie and one of the lads he's six foot seven and his hens measured nine and a half inches so. If anyone's going to make the NFL, I'm going in his thirties now, so it'd be a long time, I'd say. Um, so yeah, we did that for a while. So kind of like everyone, I caught, kind of thought transition year. Kind of thought they'd focus way more on defense, considering you know that's what Steve it's, it's Pittsburgh is known for. Um, so I kind of knew with TJ Watt and Minka, um, and all the boys, you know, that they were probably going to focus on on defense mostly. But then you could kind of see little bits kind of coming through. I know Mitchell Trubisky is very um. You know, I, I like Mitchell Trubisky, I like him as a backup, but, you know, he 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 is exactly what he is on the tin, um, which is limited, you know. But I'm not going to diss him because he can still throw a ball better than I get. Um, so, you know, when they kind of started out with him, I kind of understood it. And I was like, My Tomlin is notorious for not kind of bringing in a rookie, you know, straight away and kind of throwing them into the fire pit and going, right, it's all on you. Um, And then I suppose really they just kind of had to put Kenny Pickett in. It was really going well at all. TJ Watt had obviously got injured, um, which was a disaster for all involved. And uh, yeah, it was, it was it was interesting. And I think from my perspective, I thought, okay, I, I remember I was over in London with a friend of mine. We went to the Green Bay Packers game because she's a Packers fan. And I remember Pittsburgh were playing, uh, I think it was probably Buffalo. Um, I think it was Buffalo. And they got, uh, or it was the Eagles. And they got absolutely slaughtered that week. Um, and I remember the top two plays on Red Zone who are like anti-Steelers play. And she was in there laughing at me. I was like, why are you laughing? I was like, you've lost. Like, you lost in London. Like, Shut up. Um, you know, so I think once that kind of happened, there was like a turning point where I was like, OK, they're either going to go for the draft and go quite high or there's going to be a massive turning point that something really dramatic is going to happen. I think very fortunate that something dramatic really happened because it was getting a bit ugly there for a while.
0: And I think what what has, I mean, you talk there about Mike Tomlin and kind of he, he is known to, to be a little bit conservative with younger players, but the, the journey that he has been on with Kenny Bigot I think has been fascinating because um, he, uh, to, to me, like I've, I've always admired Tomlin, but particularly in the last year, you saw last offseason he went on Um, a a podcast and he he talked about uh, leadership and about um, I I thought that was amazing and we've seen it consistently this year like he's not just a man of words and the game a couple of the the bigger losses uh, I remember when he was coming off the field with Kenny Pickett and he just said to him like you know keep your uh, head up there'll be better days and, and that's exactly what you need, you know, as a, a young QB in the league who's not had a particularly good game. And there were plenty of critics out for Kenny Pickett, um, And like, I think sometimes social media, 24-hour news media has meant that the expectations for guys, and maybe Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert to an extent have broken brains a little bit because we expect guys to be in- immense immediately. I mean, yeah, the the Steelers have some um, some decent pieces. I'm a big fan of, of George Pickens. Um, but the I mean, you called out your off, offensive coordinator uh, there, and uh, I, I I think no matter who you put in that situation, they would uh, struggle a little bit. But this is obviously a big weekend. That the playoffs are still there, granted a little bit dependent upon uh, others are. Are you a believer that this uh this could happen and uh, we could see that the Steelers in the postseason?
1: I'm repping about fifty jerseys this weekend apparently. Um I don't know. I think the Jets came as the one that I'm probably most anxious about, just because you really don't know what you're actually gonna get, you know, from the Jets more than anything. Um so I'm a little bit anxious about that one. I remember I think it was years ago, um, when uh Pittsburgh oh about four years ago, maybe five years ago now I'd say. When Pittsburgh were kind of going and they were kind of reliant on a couple of other results. And I remember my Tablin kind of saying, if you're reliant on results, you're the problem. You shouldn't be going through if you need others to win for you. So I think it must kill them all together that he's now reliant on other results again, considering he broke his own mantra. But I think he's right. I think if you are reliant on other things to go your way, I know there's obviously luck, you know, and different things that kind of go on in between games and, and you know, don't get me I'm not, I'm not, I'm not oblivious to that kind of thing. But I do think if you start getting reliant on other people, mightn't really desire to respond the to playoffs, but at the same time, I think you can still hold out a little bit of hope, especially from the season that they had. And I think more than anything, um, it's about getting that confidence into Kenny Pickett that he can literally lead a team from nothing all the way to a playoffs. You know, I think that would be really, really a good endorsement, you know, for him and, and you know, I think the hope then after that is whatever they want to do with the backup kind of situation, that they would just get in someone who will kind of do the job like you see with San Francisco you know and I only know it just because my brother being a San Francisco fan you know when Jimmy G came in we're big Jimmy G fans in the house as well by the way there's no one that could be that good looking and like be listed talented like on the planet than Jimmy G um but you know I, when you see someone like Jimmy G come in you're kind of like yeah he also has the weapons and he has everything but he still needs to do the job you know whereas sometimes when Mitchell mm-hmm. and you know Mason Rudolph comes in you're a bit like no, not know can they do the job necessarily and I think then with the offensive line you know if you've got Najee kind of running and now he played a stormer last week now I have to say but he even said himself when the O-line starts clicking then he can go do his thing you know and I think kind of showed really last week that once the O-line started getting going then he was able to do his thing away from it so you know I think if Pittsburgh kind of caught in a hard place at the moment where you know they're either reliant on over-reliant on the run game which they were I remember when I started Le'Veon Bell was doing everything um, and then eventually it faded into actually there's no real offense. Let's just really focus on defense. Um, and you'd feel sorry for the likes so of Cameron Hayward to like literally panting at the two-minute warning in this in the second quarter. <laughs> and you're like, there's a long way to go, yeah, <laughs> uh, pal. Fingers crossed. You never know.
0: Well, as a, a Broncos fan, um, I, I at least uh, with your maybe offensive struggles, the uh, Pittsburgh were still winning games and still making um the the playoffs at, at times. It has been tough slogging in, in Denver. You mentioned earlier about going to, to London uh for the, the Packers game. Was that yeah your first time seeing an NFL live game, John?
1: No, we've actually been very fortunate. So I moved over to England um in twenty sixteen. I did a year abroad and I was watching the Super Bowl, the infamous uh New England Patriots and Falcons one and my housemate. Uh, we were getting kind of warmed up to each other because we both realized we were like insane sports fans. And uh, she was like, oh, uh, should I get a team or something? And I was like, yeah, go cool. do a BuzzFeed quiz or something. I'm watching the Super Bowl tonight. And she's like, oh, look, I'll watch it too. And uh, her first question was, oh, they switch sides. And I was like, yeah, they switch sides. So uh, she became a Packers fan. And uh, the following year, she really got into it. She still is really into it. We both graduated the following year. And uh, our promise for ourselves, we'd go to... Uh, a a game and uh, we picked the the Eagles game Uh, they were playing the Jaguars and uh, in Wembley and we went all out uh, we saved a bit of money and uh, we actually got a box for that game funnily enough as our graduation present and this is this is actually a really bizarre story so I stayed uh, stayed in Marleyborn, and um, Roger Goodell was at the hotel at the same time and my mom came with me over to London and she's not in Denifan at all like she's no idea what's going on Like, she literally thought Tom Brady was, like, the heir to Brady's ham there, like, at one stage. And uh, she was down for uh, breakfast, I think, and a couple of the Eagles, um, the players were there, but the staff were kind of there. And uh, she was kind of, like, walking around, and she said, and this is her exact quote, she said, I saw this kind of interesting-looking ginger dude uh, at the breakfast buffet, and I just stood next to him for a while just to see what he was getting, you know? And uh, some Eagles guy told me that he's actually Roger Goodell, and I was like, mother... That is the year you ask him, what is the catch? Because Pittsburgh had been screwed over against the Patriots. I was like, mother dear, like, this is what you got to do in this moment in time. She's like, I don't know who he was. Um, so, yeah, we went to the game. Um, we we're in the box. It was great crack. There was a load of Jaguars fans. Uh, there was one Eagles fan and there was two Falcons fans. Uh, so, the me and the Falcons fans were just living it up, enjoying every moment. The Eagles fans were having a breakdown. The Jaguars fans were having a breakdown and uh this is where things get even weirder so we were in the in the box which was fine and you'd an hour and a half after the game to use the box so we obviously you know we took the make out of it like and we stayed for as long as possible and the guy was like you have to go like like they're shutting down when like so we were like right right we'll go and um, the wheelchair lift wasn't working i think so some girl she clearly was on work experience she's like oh i'll take you down the lift so she took us to like this really ugly security like, you could tell this is where they bring the case, like, into Wembley, kind of lit, you know? So we went down the stairs, and it's me and a lot of Jaguars fans and my and my friend, and uh, we opened the gates, and all I hear is, oh, excuse me, ma'am, would you mind stepping back there, please? And I was like, I'm underground, like, and where can I step back to? And next thing I looked up, and I was like, you're Nick Foles." So Nick Foles is literally standing in front of me. We we all just stood in shock, and the Jaguars fans said, yeah, man, go Eagles! And I was like, oh typical isn't it typical so uh that was my first game over in Wembley and uh we had the Packers game which was which was her dream to go see the Packers and uh this year now I'm hoping to get over to New York and catch a game in America uh with my mom Funnily enough, she's she went actually she stayed she actually stood outside taught them to listen to the music of the game she was like I don't know what was going on but the tunes were great I was like I'll bring it fine I'll bring it
0: What a what a first experience, uh, you know. And uh, I think that meeting Nick Foles in the um, G- Goods Inwards lift, are really topping topping it all off. Um, I, I it was
1: suppose beyond, beyond like just i never I and the thing is is like you know the way you have this thing in your head where you're like I would so recognize Nick Foles. You would not recognize Nick Foles in his everyday like I'm leaving to get on my plane clothes. Like he just looked. You just look like a tall guy.
0: <laughs> they, a lot of them are super tall. But um, I think one of the things, possibly that might be interesting, um, is obviously look you you do a lot of, of kind of coverage of um women's sport and women in sport, um, and you did the the documentary A Sporty Chance, and maybe for um people out there, um, uh, uh, you know we have a, a lot of listeners in Ireland, but in different parts of Europe and in the states. Um, Maybe if if you want to tell us a little bit about uh, what was involved in that. And and I think that might be a way into talking about maybe uh, women in the NFL, because obviously that is an area that has had some focus in um, recent recent years. um, And we've seen some um, developments, but obviously some other stories this year. But I'm very interested, I suppose, in the, the documentary and hearing a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so I suppose I have been involved um, in doing work with in sport for the last, uh, what, five, six years now. Uh, 2017 was my first year. Um, so I was uh, leaving college at UCC. I actually have a degree in criminology. Um, and I was leaving UCC and I knew I didn't want to work with criminals. Um, I wanted to be a sports writer. Um of course, then, you know, people are like, well, there's lots of criminals in sport. I'm like, yes, I know you know, I witnessed a lot of crimes against my team. And <laughs> so yeah, I totally know. Um, so, yeah, I uh, basically, um, I was very fortunate. I was able, I actually went to the Irish Open um, in the K Club in 2016. And the editor, the then editor of the sports part, uh, Malachy Logan, he was at the golf as well. And I uh, bumped into Malachy and, hey, how's it going? Not too bad. And he said that they were doing a women in sports page. And if I was ever interested, you know, here was his contact card, you know, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, thanks. You know the kind of just move on with your life, like I was nineteen at the time, so didn't really pay much attention to it. Um so moved back from England, um, graduated, had no idea what I wanted to do in my life. Just said I'd send him an email, you know, just randomly found the card. Uh was like, okay, and here here goes nothing. So, you know, did the I even still have the letter actually saved on my laptop and I don't know why. I think it's obviously to humble me. Uh so I sent him an email. He said that they were doing the women in sports page and they'd love to have me on um so yeah i've been doing that since uh 2017 and uh then it was nice then rt reached out and they kind of said they were interested in making a documentary on the struggles hurricanes and the rise of women's sports especially the year that irish sport had in 2021 it was very female dominated you know youth rich black four in the horse in the horse riding or the horse racing you had um katie taylor you had a lot of boxers you had all oh, me the winning the latest football for the very first time in senior level. You had the Paralympians. You had an insane amount of women in sport, basically. Um, and I think it was the first time in the RT Sports Awards history that uh four out of the six nominees were women. Um, usually it's like four out of six are men or three and three, you know, whatever. So it was it was bizarre to say the least. So I said, yeah, we'd love to do it. You know, um, see what we kind of do. I kind of had in my head what I wanted to do. Um, I wasn't going to make it all kind of rosy in the garden and be like wow women are great look at all these women succeed Um, because at the end of the day like in every sport no matter where you go the, the people you see on television irrespective of male or female are the one percent you know no matter what you do like we're the 99ers who are just going yeah this is great Um, you know Um, so I wanted to do that I wanted to look at you know the physiology and psychology of women given my background you know because I do believe we are different and we are motivated very differently and that's not just between men and women, that's every individual as it comes down to um, and you see that too in the NFL in terms of coaching, you know, some, I would, I would classify myself as a Bruce Arians so where I'm a bit of a screamer, are you out of your mind, are you out of your skull, I say that at the dog regularly and <laughs> um, you know, where he's, you know, might more, my tommling, less screamy more, keep the head up, I'd be a bit more, uh, it's your fault! <laughs> um. So yeah, I want to look at everything to do with that, so, was very fortunate, then we had three, um, I suppose, case studies for want of a better term. So we followed Amy Broadhurst in the boxing. She won European World and Boxer of the Year. God, she did a clean Commonwealth. She did an absolute clean sweep. It was wild. Uh, Hedda Tyrrell of Dublin Ladies Football and formerly of Irish Rugby. Um, we followed her story in terms of mental health and body image and how she didn't feel she was good enough and, you know, looks-wise and, and everything between how that played a part in her. And then we thought of Michelle O'Neill, um, woman at the Euros, um, uh, done multiple Champions League games now at this stage. And uh, just her being, literally hearing Bruce Arians' level of giving out from fans and her going, I love it. I love the job. The job is great. And I'm like, how? Like you're literally called everything under the sun. And she's like, I love it. And so, yeah, that's kind of what we did. I think we were able to kind of showcase the hurdles in terms of the funding also doesn't exist. Some of the opportunities might be a bit more limited. Um, you know, we wanted to look at it from a, a, an array, you know, rather than just hear a bunch of athletes. We want to look at, and you see it now, especially in NFL, like you see it now in coaching, broadcasting, you know. I think actually the first few times I actually saw literally a woman on a sideline was probably Aaron Andrews in the NFL. But that was the first time I was actively used to seeing a woman over and over and over again, like talking sports. Um, And that's probably what inspired me to do the work that I do today as well, to be honest.
0: And uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what's interesting in in ways about the the NFL. And I'm interested in your thoughts on that, because in some ways, right, this is a league where you think back and say Al Davis is a guy who obviously went down his way to to break down barriers, right, in terms of appointing the first black coach and uh, first female um, executive. Um, the the second Latino culture as well, and obviously then you're talking about people like Aaron Andrews, and we we've seen developments, but then there is the you know for for all that stuff that happens, there is a Ray Rice, a Deshaun Watson, a Dan Schneider, and from your perspective as somebody who covers um, you know and and is interested in this and writes about this, like. What what's your viewpoint on where the NFL stands in 2023, I guess, uh, as we record this?
1: Uh, It's interesting for me because I think a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of the people you mentioned also falls down the line of criminology for me as well, which is these are people that I would have actively studied and tried to understand why, you know, they're doing what they're doing. There is no answer, by the way, to any of those questions, like, you know, so there's no point in even speculating you know, and at the same time, you can watch a game, you know, even take myself as an example, as a Steelers fan, you know, obviously you had the allegations against Big Ben, like you literally are putting aside your values as a woman, as a human to go support a team, you know, so it's, sports is one of the very few places that you can do that, but also kind of leave going, that's a bit strange because I wouldn't do that like in an everyday like environment. Um, and then on the flip side, you've got me then hoping TJ Watt does a big job on Sunday if in all levels of his game. Um, so yeah, it is. It's 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 definitely like it is a kick in the teeth when you do see you know you've like the Phoebe Schechter, you you know the Arizona Cardinals obviously having women. Um, you know you've other teams as well. You know who are on board. I think Bruce Arians even had you know with Kansas City. I think you know he was also active in terms of pursuing women if they were if, when he felt they were good enough and stuff like that. And then you'd have all the stories coming out about such and such a person hitting women, you know, assaulting women, whatever. And you do feel like it is one step forward, three steps back, absolutely. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what needs to be eradicated, and I think Roger Goodell is, is, is trying, because I think he realizes image is now a big thing in terms of how you're perceived as an organization. And I would say probably what needs to be done is they, they need to be a bit better in kind of making people understand that these are individuals who are committing these acts we as an organization do not support those acts and i think they still fall down in that manner where they will let players you know and then of course the criminologist in me also goes well you know innocent until proven guilty you know like all that kind of stuff like you can't just fire someone based on an allegation like you know it's illegal anyway but you can't just say oh that's it termination contract over never come back to our league again you know um you know obviously some players it's more obvious than others um but you know, so I think it's, it's a really tough place for Roger Vidal to be because obviously if he bows down to one allegation coming out, oh, that's column, that's Joanne fired. That's obviously not a way to run an organization as well, you know. um, But it, it is interesting though. I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary. I think it's on, it's one of the 30 for 30s, like the, the minis I think is what they're kind of called. Um, And it's called Let Them Wear Towels. And it's basically about like the first time women were uh invited into the locker rooms of big games and how men would like literally drop their towels just to try and freak them out and be like oh you know you're just a woman you know like and they'd be like all right you know like we can take it we can take it um and different things like that or how women we push to the side and not let into the locker rooms so they'd have to wait um and i think when you watch something like that you actually realize in how far you've actually come but then there's actually so much then to go in terms of actually like maintaining a better image in terms of how you treat women and in terms of how you treat people who have done horrible things to women and children as well um but it's 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 a very tricky position and i think that's where both sides of my brain comes out obviously the woman's rights and the human rights in me it's like fire him i don't want to see him let them go and then there's the criminologist in me that's like wait actually we can use this as a case study if we want for future issues that do arise and understand how to do it better rather than just snapping you know rather than just trying to wash our hands and going oh it doesn't exist you know and i think that's probably where the nfl fall down they do wash their hands a lot and say oh it doesn't exist <laughs>
0: yeah and, and and probably enabled by all of us being as you mentioned like the cognitive dissonance that we display in terms of we're aware sometimes of what maybe coaches or players or the accusations against them and we're able or things that they have done and we're able to put that aside because we want that the result for our, our team and it speaks to probably that the power of cognitive dissonance as well and i suppose um joanne i mean like one of the things that um I think there definitely has been some really some some really good progress and we do have some amazing kind of women cover league you mentioned phoebe i think of mina kines i think of Lindsay jones um who's president of the professional writers association um and does a, a really fantastic job um how how far away are we though from just like we, we still refer to you know the female reporters and we still talk about like the the first and and the barriers and stuff like that. How far away from we just like the it 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 being it not being a discussion point because you still see the stuff that Mina gets said on Twitter um, and that any kind of female journalist gets um, you know like how how you can't possibly understand the sport and all that sort of ridiculous stuff um, that gets bandied about. It, it, some some of that will always exist, I, I'm aware of that. But how, from from the mainstream of just women covering sport, are, are we still that far away from it being just a, a, an everyday thing?
1: Yeah, like I think, you know, you don't mind a couple of firsts along the way as long as they're not the mast. You know, that's how I would kind of view it more than anything. And I think a lot of time we do celebrate a first, but we forget there has to be a second, third, fourth, fifth and so on in order to keep that momentum going. Um, that's where I would probably say we fall down more so than 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 what I'd I'd enjoy, I you know, you don't obviously of course apart was like, really? It took that long? Especially as well like in, you know, it's more weird I think probably in America where you've obviously got the Titan 9 and you know everyone had equal rights in school from, you know, the 70s so you're also kind of watching going that is very strange that like a country that has made sure, you know, athletes get equal opportunity all the way through are still struggling to actually like one of the men but you know, then, of course, historically, it goes back to everything being an old boys club, an old man's club, you know, more than anything. um, And I suppose you will see that with, like, the NFL kind of more so than anything. Like, you know, even some of the comments. Like, I can remember, where my first, maybe it was my second or third year with the Orange Times, And I remember uh, there was a female reporter at the Carolina Panthers, uh, maybe post-game, and Cam Newton kind of dismissed her. Like, oh, you said that. And I was a bit like... Why wouldn't she say that? You know, and I remember I got really triggered about the whole thing. And my friend was like, "Calm down." And I think the only reason I was getting triggered is because, you know, watch, I'm doing this five, five, six years. I'm obviously 26 years old. So like for 26 years of your life, you're constantly hearing someone go like, oh, she said that. Oh, she knows football. Oh, you know, no matter what it is. And I think that's actually the part that actually grinds you down. Um, and the same, you know, I, I follow Mina. You know, I'm obsessed with her podcast with her dog. Um, eventing aspirations for me in the future <laughs> to have my dog on a podcast. Um, but you know, like everything she does is insightful, funny, and in a way that's actually like nicely packaged. Do you know what I mean? Like it's stuff that you, like I, I like listening to it. And I know you probably like listening to it. I know my friends like listening to it uh, because she knows her stuff. She knows how to make it relevant. She knows how to make it funny. Um, and as well, like you see that, like rt I know, obviously, this is moving off NFL. But, like, it was only 2020 when RT had the first all-female production and presenting crew, which was the Komogi final in 2020, when obviously one was in Crow Park. Like, that's still bizarre. Like, that, you know, and I obviously see in RT, there's so many, female, you know, producers and, you know, presenters and 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 talent and, and different things like that. And I'm like, really? It took us to 2020 to actually, like, merge it all together and, and figure out what to do. Um. So, yeah, you know, it, it, it is frustrating when you have the first, when you don't have a follow up of the second, third, fourth, or fifth, and then eventually the second, third, or fourth or fifth becomes the norm. Um, so yeah, that's how that's how I would I would think. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me? You know, I wouldn't get overworked up about the first. You know, I like sharing it. Wow, like the first X, Y, or Z. But when I don't see a second, third, or fourth, I'm like mm-hmm. I hope that wasn't for nothing. You know.
0: Yeah. No. I think that's a great point, and uh, and I think that's probably. And, and like the Amy Trask example is probably a, a, a good example of that. Of, of there was progress at that, at that point. And then like, there was such a huge gap on, until, um, in more recent times where we again, we have seen, um, you know, female executives in kind of the front, front office in coaching, but yeah, it, it does. First are great and kind of having examples to point to are, are great, but it, it needs to be a point, you know, where it is just, you know, you're praising the job somebody is doing, not saying, oh, my goodness, there's a female GM who who is doing a fantastic job. And yeah, hopefully we will get to, to that, that point. And I suppose, um, you know, as as we wind down, though, I, I am interested in, um, you know, what you think might play out over the, the next few weeks. Uh, in terms, obviously, we, we've talked about your Steelers, but it, it's been um, an interesting season. I think parity has been the, the word that people have been using a lot this year, but we are about to, you know, uh, we're recording this uh, the day before the the first of the games for the uh, week 18, and then we'll be into the playoffs. Um who like for you i mean are you are uh, what in terms of where you think this might go and it doesn't have to be to be super bowl but maybe even a couple of teams are you concerned about the the Jalen Hurts injury and that might hurt the, the Eagles are you all in on your brothers 49ers and and in the AFC i mean where obviously we've heard good news in over the the past kind of day or so uh, about um uh, DeMar and his improvement and now we hear uh, the the league has kind of made some plans in terms of what they are going to to do, um, but do you think it is definitely between the the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals on the AFC side?
1: Yeah, um, you know it's so funny. Obviously, you mentioned the Eagles. My friend is Eagles fed, and she went traveling today. And she was like, "I'm going traveling to avoid the Eagles for a long time because she's like, I can't live with the heartbreak all over again." Um, so yeah, it, it, it's wild. Uh, yeah, look, I think obviously Bengals and Bills and Chiefs are obviously for me. You know, the top one will, will be some of the top dogs. You know, in in the in the NFL, especially obviously the AFC at the moment. I can't really see past them. Um, my favorite sports documentary of all time is the Four Falls Buffalo. Um, so I literally to this day I'm like, God, I wouldn't grudge Buffalo like something dramatic happening to them. I, I just wouldn't grudge it because I think that's such an amazing documentary, and you just get so caught up and going, well, oh, please, please do something um so yeah like it, it is interesting you know i think we do it every year myself and my friend we have an afc bet versus the nfc bet, and uh, you know i obviously can get so far <laughs> to the super bowl and then she takes off in the super bowl i'm like god's sake like this is this is not what's supposed to happen but yeah like look my brother's is about the 49ers you know he, he he can't get over you know brock and Purdy, uh, brock Purdy and jimmy g like coming back and He's like, I, I don't know how to actually like compute like what's going on. But I'm like, Dennis, you don't understand. Like I could go into that 49ers team and throw happily to George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey all day long, no bother. So, you know, Paul Shannon's a bit of a genius like that. He's one of my favorite coaches as well. He's, he's a bit of a genius. He knew, he, he knew just because you don't have a good quarterback you can't have a good offense. So I would definitely kind of buzzing for them, especially throughout the playoffs as well. Uh, I don't want them to win because so I don't want my brother being arrogant. Um... You know, it took me a long time to get over the whole Tom Brady having, you know, same same amount of Super Bowl as Pittsburgh. That took me a while to a while to get over. So I can't do Forty Nineers again. So, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm kind of hoping Buffalo, maybe Buffalo Forty Nineers at the point that whatever happens, let it rip. <laughs> and re- yeah.
0: <laughs> um well it, it will be uh it'll be an interesting one and yeah i mean like what the job kyle Chatterton is doing uh, having had his assistants move on consistently over the the summers is is very very uh impressive um joanne i, I have uh, enjoyed chatting uh, to you immensely and i know that there will be listeners who want to uh fight more of your stuff where can they go about doing that
1: yeah, so um, the documentary is Sporting Chances on RT player at the moment and will be apparently there for quite some time. I'm told the player views also matter. Um, I'm obviously in the Irish Times every Thursday, uh, right? about with the sport. Some days I'm allowed to get in a little bit with the NFL. Some days, uh, you know, I was very fortunate. I got to interview Hannah Gordon with the 49ers, one of the executives over there. So, you know, I can I can sneak it in somehow, uh, which is nice. And uh, yeah, over on Twitter, at Joanna Wark, underscore OX. Uh, I've, I've had that username for about 12 years now and I'm not going to get rid of it now. It's part of my identity. So uh, yeah, no, looking looking forward to it. Thanks, thanks so much. And uh, hopefully this year we can, uh, we can. Uh, last year we tried to do a charity run for AFC versus NFC for the Super Bowl. So people want to get on board for that. Um, you know, they can they can feel free to wait for the Super Bowl and see who gets in and see whose side I'm at. So hopefully, hopefully it's Pittsburgh. <laughs> it That's will be that. Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh,
0: unlikely, not not impossible, but yes, I would have to say unlikely. But Joanne, it has been wonderful chatting to you. Um, definitely highly recommend uh, checking out Joanne's stuff and a good follow on Twitter as well. And uh, yeah, who who knows? It will be interesting to to see. Um, there has definitely been some some speculation about uh Mike Tomlin and and whether he might choose after fifteen years to to step away. So the off season could have some intrigue as well. Um, we, so we uh, we may well have you back on to to discuss that. But uh, for now, thank you very much for taking the time to chat to me.
1: I've had little League. I can't have Mike Tomlin leaving. I will cling on to that. I can't do it. I can't, <laughs> but thanks very much for having me on that lovely note. <laughs> well, I, I,
0: we, we, Given how good the Steelers have been at replacing, I mean, I, I, everyone would have thought like, you know, Chuck Nolan went, oh my goodness, what's going to, what's going to happen? Oh my goodness, Bill Cowher went. So the, that, organization has an ability to go out and sign head coaches unlike any other. And maybe, yeah, I think we'll definitely have you back on. I think we could have a really interesting kind of discussion, given your background and your kind of interest in psychology, let's delve into to leadership and what makes a great head coach and, and why some who co- really talented coordinators don't work out as uh, head coaches. Let's, let's do that in the, the future there. Listeners, there is the preview of of what is to to come the next time Joanne is uh, on uh, with me on the Irish NFL show. Joanne O'Raeden, thank you very much.
1: Thanks so much, Al, for show.